Tonight, if you would please, to First Peter, chapter five. First Peter, chapter five. And I want to just read a little bit, if I can, beginning in verse one. I laughed. At somebody told me a while ago there was a lady came to visit this morning, and she came in and folded her arms and like, "All right, go ahead and say whatever you want to." And then afterwards, she said. One of the, whoever told me this while ago, he didn't really do that bad. <laughs> they sure know how to bust your bubble, don't they? <laughs> oh, me, but I enjoyed it. First Peter chapter five verse one: The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not fulfills the lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren, that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto His eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that You will bless each one who has come tonight. And I pray tonight that You will help us to be aware of our adversary, the old devil, and how he works all the time. He's never idle. He's always busy. Help us to pray, and pray, Lord, that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can always take care of him. We ask you to bless thine in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> there are certain times that, that I can actually feel the devil fighting and when I'm trying to preach and this morning one of them I never felt anything quite like it in a long time and uh, yet we had some people that we've been praying for and asking to come back to church and and two of them told me this morning they're going to start getting back in church and uh, after service and and you know God blesses I, it just amazes me how he blesses no matter what's going on and if there's one thing I learned, I, run, I learned this from Brother Booth years ago. He said, if you're going to sing off key, sing as loud as you can, and nobody will notice it. <laughs> and uh, that's the way I feel about uh, when the old devil's fighting, I just want to outfight him a little bit or outdo him a little bit if I can. But this morning, uh, one of the worst enemies to a preacher is not having a mic. And uh, that simply means my voice is not as strong as it used to be. And, and I want to be heard if I'm going to say something. 
And when I walked up here and that thing was dead this morning, I'm going to tell you what's the truth. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It was dead. It did. We can get a sound through it. And yet, uh, God blessed and I, I'm so thankful for it. Now, we as Christians have a great, glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to save. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, to the uttermost. It also true that we have a very powerful adversary whose name is Satan. Second Corinthians 2.11 said, Let Satan, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not, not ignorant of his devices. And Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter refers to our great adversary as our, our enemy, as our adversary. Now, and it's important that we understand who the devil really is and how he exercised his devilish ministry. In verse 8 and 9, Peter warned there, this enemy of ours is on the warpath. Look at verse 10 with me for just a second. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while make you perfect establish strengthen settle you there's one thing I've realized if you stay true to the Lord as best you can no matter what you're going through and the battle that you're fighting with the devil you'll come out better for it on the other side the Lord's always good now who exactly is our great adversary number one the devil is a real person. Now, man thinks of Satan as some methodical monster. Uh, so they speak of the devil lightly. Uh, we had, uh, what I'm trying to say, we better remember what the Bible says, Satan is the arch enemy of God. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. Now, first of all, the devil is a person. Number two, the devil is a powerful person. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he goes about as a roaring lion, and he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He is never still. He's always looking for the weakest link. Notice that. He's always seeking whom he may devour. Amen? And he's always looking for the leakiest link in the chain that he can get to. The devil is an active person. The devil is behind world events. The devil is active in the church. The devil is active in the lives of men and women. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 15, For some are already turned aside after Satan. I do believe that we're living, as I've been saying the last few weeks, we're living in some of the worst days of the history of our country. Uh, what I mean by that is if, if something don't happen and turn people back uh, to the true values of our country, this guy that's running uh, Sanders out there, uh, folks, we better beware of him. And I mean in every aspect because he's, he's looking to kill America and kill America values. What I don't understand, and I, I listen to it and I listen to him talk, and what I look at though, I realize that one man can't do it. 
it takes everybody behind him to get it done. What I don't understand is I look at this nut, and he looks like a nut, and he looks terrible just to look at him, nothing else. But the people behind him, and I see some good-looking people behind him. I'm not talking about trashy-looking people. I'm talking about uh, clean shave, they dress good, and they're standing behind him and saying that they're going along with everything he said. Every value that we claim precious to our country, he's against it. Well, wait a minute. If they're going to back him, they're against it. Well, who's behind all of that? The Bible tells us it's the devil. And anything is of value to God, the devil's going to be against it. He's got somebody out there that's going to be against it. And notice what the Bible says, how we're to do it. We must be aware of the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, says we must resist him. You know what that means? It means to be on guard. Stand up to Him. In James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I read in in the Bible says, Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, if you're walking the same way the devil is walking, then there's no resistance. If you're going to the same places, talking like the devil, acting like the devil, if you're going in the same direction as the devil, there's no resistance there. But if I'm against everything the devil is against, I'm resisting the devil. And I got news for you. I don't find anything I like about the devil, nor his crowd. Amen? Now, there are three main spheres in which the devil is operating in today. Number one, in relation to the world and to those who are unsaved. Number two, in relation to the church and to the work of God. Number three, in relation to the individual believer. The devil's message with the unsaved. Think of all the unsaved in the world, and this is what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 says. They having no hope without God in the world. Now, some are very religious. Some are very respectable. Some are even churchgoers. I heard something this morning that I couldn't hardly believe. I'm sitting there eating my dinner, and somebody went by me, and they're churchgoers. And they said a curse word. And I mean, out and out curse word. And all our Christian people in there, and they let out a curse word, just just natural, just flowed right out of them. And you know, they didn't even know they said it. It was just a natural language to them. And I thought to myself, they, they claim to be a Christian. They claim to go to church. They claim all these kind of things. And it's just as natural to them to talk that way as it is any other way. You say, preacher, what would make a person do that? The devil. The devil's behind it. Amen. He's in the church just as much as he's in the world. Now listen, as far as these folks are concerned, the object and the strategy of the devil for them can be summed up by three deeds. Number one is detention, darkness, and destruction. Detention, every unsaved person is a captive to the devil, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. They're caught as in chains by the devil. And 2 Timothy 2.26 says, They are taken captive by him at his will. At his will. And then number two, not only detention, but in darkness, every unsaved person, Satan loves to keep them in darkness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 tells us, They're in darkness. Destruction. Satan is planning the everlasting destruction of human souls. You know what I like about being saved? The devil can't have my soul. Amen? 
You can't have me. That's the reason you don't try as hard on me as he does other people. I got news for you. I said that a long time ago. You can't have me, devil. And when he comes around and wants to talk to me and get me to do crazy things, I got news for him. He can't have my soul. Amen? He might take my testimony. He might take a lot of things from me, but he can't have my soul. It's saved, brother. And it's saved by the grace of God. And John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not, Jesus said, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Notice the devil's method with the church and God's work. The devil hates the real church simply because the church is the only buffer of righteousness in the world today. I would hate to live in this world without the church. I, it would be a horrible place to live. You think about it. Uh, you, you think about getting up in the morning and leaving your house and going to church and you see all these people working in the yards and polishing their cars and, and not church is not one ounce on their mind. And you look at them and say, you bunch of heathens, you, you don't go to church, you don't serve the Lord, God's nothing to you. But guess who holds that neighborhood together? You do. The Christian does. And brother, what would this world be without the Christians? And the Christian is what holds it all together. And as far as the church is concerned, the devil's strategy then is summed up in three D's also, division. And then uh, the Lord will deliver this in the church, us from his church. Diversion, the devil loves to get Christian people and churches absorbed in secondary and secular things. That's the reason many churches are worldly and most of their programs are given over to activities which are not Christ-centered. I believe this with all my soul. I, I, I'll try anything that's scriptural to get somebody to church. Anything is scriptural. But if it's not scriptural, I'm not going to do it. Amen? I know a lot of churches that had uh, Johnny Cash to come in and sing for them to have a big day in the church. I ain't going to do that. I can't do that. Amen? Uh, he might be saved, but he's, his testimony is what makes a difference. I don't want the world to know that I'm going to go along with the world's crowd and that we ought to take a stand against that. And you, you think about preachers that come in. And I had uh, people that want to come and preach for this church. The first question I asked them, are you a King James man? If you're not, you're not welcome. Amen? And you say, preacher, they ought not to do that. Well, that's the way I feel about it. And I'll stick with it till I die. And if I, next thing I want to know, do you preach Christ and Him crucified for salvation? That alone. Add it, nothing to it, or take nothing from it. If you don't, you're not welcome. It's just that simple. The Lord still desires this in the church today. Diversion. The devil loves to get Christians, people, and churches absorbed with anything secular in their life except serving the Lord. Then notice also disaffection. One of the devil's most subtle methods of seeking to upset the Word of God is that souring seed of discord among God's people. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 is also easy for any Christian uh, almost unconsciously to become a tool of the devil. We need to put on the whole armor of God. Listen, the devil's method with an individual believer, again, we can sum it up in three D's, disturbance, disobedience, and defeat. 
disturbing. God wants us to have perfect peace. According to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Peace of heart, peace of mind, but Satan loves to upset our peace. Satan loves to disturb, disturb and rob us of power. His whole objective is to get us down. You ever, you ever look at Christians and some of them, they look like they got their chin hanging on the ground as they walk around. I went in a store the other day and I saw this little lady I've been knowing for years. And here she is uh, walking around, you know, just with her hands uh, together. And uh, you look at her and I, I wanted to go up to her and say, poor, poor, pitiful me. You know, as you look at her. And I got to thinking, a Christian ought not be that way. You might be going through a hard time, but good night, you can straighten up. You know what my daddy always, as long as I can remember, you know what my daddy always said to me? Straighten up, boy. You know, I get bent over and, and walking around, straighten up, boy. He always telling me, straighten up. And he wanted me to walk straight and act right. Amen? And I just believe a Christian needs to act like a Christian. Again, disobedience. Satan is the great tempter. And if he can make us disobedient to the Lord and keep us half-hearted and undecided with regard to the will of God and the work of God, then he has the victory. Every time the Lord calls to obey, Satan calls to disobey. I don't care what it is. Defeat. If we're Christians, we, need, we no longer belong to the devil. We belong to the Lord by redemption's rights. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now our adversary, the devil, still seeks our downfall. The devil cannot rob us of heaven when we die. But you know what he's after? He's after your life here on this earth. He knows he can't have you afterwards. He cannot prevent us from going to heaven. But he can bring such defeat in our life here that we suffer loss. First Peter or First Corinthians chapter three. In the light of all this, what should we do? Number one, we must keep calm. Notice First Peter chapter five now verse eight. Be sober. You know what that means? Just be calm. Just be calm. When everything's going crazy around you, just be still a minute. Be calm. It'll be all right. It just means be so, be calm. Notice again, uh, verse 8, we must be alert. That's what the word vigilant means. Just be alert, be on guard. Uh, number 3, we must resist the devil, verse 9. Number 4, we must believe, uh, steadfast in the faith, verse 9. And uh, Number 5, we must remember, verse 9 says, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in your brethren, that are in the world. Sometimes we get to thinking we're the only ones the devil's messing with, don't we? You know what the Bible says? No, you're not. He's working on every Christian. Every one of us. And what about knowing that the same affliction is going on somebody else? Uh, have a little sympathy for somebody. Have a little thought for somebody else besides self. And above all, I want you to look at verse 10 with me. Above all, but the God of all grace has called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I don't think I've ever had a week like this week that I've called people that I've known over the years just asked them to come today to church. 
and in talking with them. Listen to this for just a minute. One of my good friends, young lady, both of her breasts, she has been removed. She's got cancer. Another one I call has got cancer. And, and I could go, listen, on and on and on. They're out of church, and I go into church all these years, and now they're having troubles in their body. And ever, I cannot believe the number of phone calls that I made of people that suffering, suffering. And you know, I, I felt so bad for them. I don't know what to do, but I remember something. The devil's after us all the time. And he'll use any means in the world to get you to quit serving the Lord. And you know what I made up my mind a long time ago? He ain't getting me. You know what? By the grace of God, and you remember this. Oh, Dr. Harold Siler preached on the grace of God one time, and he helped me so much to understand what the grace of God is all about. Did you know the grace of God is never there till you get there? Do you know that? It's never ahead of time. It's always there when you need it. He said, and he gave an illustration. He said, I got dying grace. He said, but I don't need it yet. But I ain't did. Amen. And he said, when I get there though, when it comes to dying, God will be right there waiting with His grace to take care through my dying. And he went on talking about the sufferings. He said, well, I'm not suffering yet. But when it comes to suffering, God's grace will be there to take care of And he, he went on down the line mentioning all these things that right now, they're not. I don't need it. So God's grace is there, but right now I don't need it. But, he said, the grace of God will be there when you need it, buddy. And don't you worry about it. God's grace will be there. So don't you ever let the devil de- uh, deceive you into believing that God won't take care of you. Yes, He will. And the very moment that you need a blessing, He's always there. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful tonight just being one of Your children. And we know one thing, the devil can't have Your children. And we ask You, dear God, that You'll bless Your people. It's a wonderful thing to be in the house of God with Your people. And we ask You to bless us every day of our life as we go forward. When we go out of this place, help us to be a testimony everywhere we go to somebody that we're Christians. We're different. We're not the same. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing something, please. Turn to page 13, please. Page 13. I am still Jesus. I want to young man said he wants to get baptized. He, he said he's going to be here next Sunday, so just pray that he'll be here. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I've been knowing him ever since he's a little boy. And so I'm really excited about it. He said he's coming home to Georgia, coming back to stay. And I'm looking forward to it. Father, go with us on our way home. Watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Shake hands, somebody, please.